You're listening to the CCF Saturday Night Service Podcast. To connect with us, you may chat us at m.me slash elevatemain. We hope you enjoy today's talk. Good evening. I grew up in a chaotic home where my father went in and out of jail because of gambling, fighting, drinking, and drinking. Growing up in poverty, I resorted to stealing to meet my basic needs and to support my growing vices. At the age of 12, I was heavily involved in fighting, drunkenness, theft, pornography, and sexual immorality. After completing high school, I moved to Manila to pursue my education while continuing my illicit activities. After graduating, I left for the Middle East to work. However, my immorality and vices greatly affected my relationships and work abroad. So I had to go back to the Philippines. To support myself, I falsified documents to allow me to work in a high-paying coaching job in Singapore. I live lavishly. Because I earn more than enough to cover my basic needs, I indulge more to, dis- to my destructive lifestyle. My biases and my moral decay intensified. I engaged myself in an adulterous relationship, enjoying sex outside marriage, while deeply addicted to pornography. When my sister invited me to CCF, I experienced the transformative power of the gospel. My newfound faith, led me to end my sinful relationship and leave my job abroad. This was a blessing because after a week living, the Singapore government started rounding up OFWs who falsified their documents. My relationship with the Lord deepened. I was freed from my biases, smoking, cursing, anger, drunkenness, porn, sexual immorality, vanity, and love of money. Instead, I became passionate about sharing the gospel and my personal testimony. With my love for sports, I organized weekly gatherings and started teaching sports to young people and in our home. I invited them to pocket retreats where I shared the gospel and baptized them. Eventually, I reconciled with my former living partner and we decided to pursue marriage. However, a month before the wedding, I discovered that she had a son whom she had kept hidden from me for over five years. We sought guidance from leaders at CCF who advised us to postpone the wedding. Respecting their counsel, we decided to honor their recommendation. During this time, I focused on building a relationship with her son and engaging in new related activities. I patiently waited for a year, and I'm grateful that we, we maintained celibacy for the entire duration before finally proceeding with our marriage. During this time, I also continued to serve as a witness to my father and had a strong desire to bring him closer to the Lord. On the Father's Day in 2016, I had a plan to take him to CCF. But God had a different plan. My father was in immense pain and experiencing severe stomach issues. Before rushing him to the hospital, I took the opportunity to share the gospel with him. And to my surprise, he accepted the Lord. It was astonishing. It was astonishing Hold on. No, wala ako. <laughs> it, was, I, it, it was astonishing to see such a transformation in my father, who had previously display, displayed a harsh demeanor. He began living with a deep reverence and fear of God. In 2021, my father peacefully passed away. Having developed a genuine love for God, I find comfort in knowing that he now has eternal life in heaven. Blessed with a loving wife and four children, I continue to serve the Lord through sports ministry, reaching out to the youth and the community. Through programs like Sports Youth Camp, which combines evangelism and discipleship, I aim to guide the next generation of leaders. As I reflect on my journey, my story serves as a testament of God's grace and transformational power. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. My name is Coach Louie, a living example of being rescued from adversity by my Heavenly Father and being transformed from inside out. To God be all the glory. Praise God. Why don't we all pray? For Coach Louie, how many of you know Coach Louie? Raise your hand. You know, not many. 
Our church is so big, sometimes the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. Coach Louis is the one in charge of the sports ministry. He's helping. You all know that my son Paul is heading this sports ministry, but Coach Louis has an amazing team, and I'm asking all of you to pray about and volunteering in the sports ministry. Can I tell you why? We have discovered that the sports ministry, the sports camp, is one of the most powerful retreats you can have, especially for teenagers. If you want them to get out of internet, you know, pornography problem, internet gaming, the sports camp is the best. And then we discovered the second thing, you have more boys joining sports camp than ladies. In CCF retreat, do you discover something? Usually it is 60, 70 women, 30, 40% men. Am I correct? But when you do a sports camp, coach, how many percent men? About, about 60. Oh, you know, 60. 60. For the first time, men are majority. So guys, ladies, I want you to consider being part of the sports ministry because we will do this, we will cycle these kind of camps throughout the year if possible, every month, to help young people get out of addiction. What do you think? Is that a good idea? Yes. So pray for Coach Louis. And Coach Louis, would you like to have volunteers to help you? Of course, Pastor. How many do you need? Um, we have six camps next year, another one for this year. So we need more. Uh, Paul, can you increase the six camps to 12 camps, okay? Every month. All right. Where is Paul? All right. There's Paul. Okay, guys, why don't you all stand up? Let's pray for Coach Louis. Father God in heaven, I thank you for Coach Louis, for all that you have done in his life, how you have transformed his marriage, his own life, and now I commit to you his entire family. It is our heartfelt prayer that you will keep him humble, keep him holy, and let him be faithful up to the end of his life in serving young men, young women, especially in the sports ministry. Help CCF to be relevant to be effective in reaching out young people for your kingdom. And now I commit to you, the rest of the worship service, speak to all of us, override my preparation. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen and amen. God bless. Thank you, Coach. By the way, um, the counterflow is something that I recommend all of you attend. Now, if you are single, you'll be asking, should I attend counterflow? Because counterflow has to do with also family, marriage. Am I correct? Can I tell you something? I attended a lot of these conferences even before I got married. So when I got married, I was prepared. How many of you are singles? Raise your hand. Singles. Singles, singles, singles. You know, Saturday night is supposed to be for singles. Am I correct? That's why majority of you are singles. But I have good news for you. Singles. When you join the counterflow and those of you who are married, how many of you are married now? Raise your hands. Married. Oh, dame, dame, niño. Okay. <laughs> married. Please think about investing and attending counterflow. You will never go wrong. I've been attending retreat seminars for maybe 50 years. And every time I attend, I am blessed. I'm learning. Okay? Tonight, we will go back to our series on the book of 1 Corinthians. Tonight, we will tackle chapter 2, chapter 3. Now, can you tell me what's so special about the church at Corinth? Anybody? Do you recall? Why are we discussing the book of 1 Corinthians? Anybody? Have you forgotten, just because our series has been beyond mission and now you're back to planet Earth? <laughs> the reality is this. The book of 1 Corinthians is so relevant to all of us. You know why? Because the church at Corinth is the most problematic recorded church in the New Testament. Most problematic. They fight among themselves. They have lawsuits among themselves. Immorality, incest, all kinds of problems. What does the book of 1 Corinthians tell you and tell me? It tells me, number one, there is no perfect church. This church was founded by the Apostle Paul. He spent over one and a half years discipling the people. Yet, in spite of that, the church had problems. How many of you don't like problems? Raise your hand. You don't like problems. You're like me, normal. 
Now, the problem is this. You are going to encounter problems. The question is, how do you deal with problems? That's why the book of 1 Corinthians is so relevant. It will help you resolve problems, especially problems among believers. Okay? So, what is the root problem so far we've discussed in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, which is to me the most dishonoring problem a church can have or a family can have? It's called divisions. It's called church strife. They were fighting among themselves, and the church was splitting. That's why it does not honor God when churches split. And that's why Satan would like churches to split. Satan likes family to have divorce. Because anytime Christians cannot get along with each other, the world will be laughing at us. The world is saying, is that Christianity in Tagalog? Yang bang Christiano? Have you heard of that expression? Yang bang Christiano? You know why they laugh at us? Because we claim to be followers of Jesus, but our behavior is different. So tonight, I want to share with you, how did Paul address the root problem of church split, the root problem of division, the root problem of strife? You know, one day there was a newspaper article by the columnist. The columnist asked, what is the problem of the world? What is our problem? You know, this famous author, G.K. Chesterton, he wrote back to the newspaper, and this is what he wrote. He said, Dear Sir, regarding your article, What's Wrong with the World? Answer, I am. Yours truly. You know what's wrong with the world? Tell your neighbor, I am. What's wrong with the world? I am. Begin with yourself. Our tendency is, you know what's wrong with the world? You are the problem. Most people blame others. I praise God for this amazing, humble leader. I am the problem. Until you solve the root problem, you can never be at peace with anybody. If you keep blaming others for your misery, blaming others for your problem, you are not going to grow. So may I suggest the root problem you must admit. What is or who is the root problem? Answer, I am. How many of you will now humbly admit that you are a problem? Raise your hands. <laughs> you know, I'm so glad. We can go home already. Okay? <laughs> Once you know you're the problem, now the solution is much better. The solution is very simple. How do you solve personal problem when you are the problem? It's called you need supernatural transformation. And supernatural transformation can only come from the Holy Spirit. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, chapter 3, he now focuses on three kinds of people. The natural man who does not have the Holy Spirit. Number two, the spiritual man who is controlled by the Holy Spirit. And number three, the carnal Christian. He's a Christian, but not controlled by the Holy Spirit. But the common denominator, all of them, has to do with the Holy Spirit. It is therefore important tonight that you learn the importance of the Holy Spirit. Can I ask you a question? Who is the Holy Spirit? In your mind, who is the Holy Spirit? Can you whisper to your neighbor? Who is the Holy Spirit? Okay. For many people, in the, in years ago, they described the Holy Spirit as Holy Ghost. Have you heard of the word Holy Ghost? Paramulto Ghost. No, no, no. For some people, they watch too much Star Wars. They think the Holy Spirit is the force. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit is a person. And it is so important that you understand the role of the Holy Spirit. In Christianity today, you have two camps, both extreme. One extreme, they are so scared of the Holy Spirit. They just focus on the Word of God. Why? Because you have the abuse of the Holy Spirit. Because some people think, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you've got to have certain signs and wonders. Everything is all about, you know, jumping up and down. My friend, the Holy Spirit is far more important 
than you can ever imagine. But what does it mean? So I'm going to explain to you from the Bible. And if you are interested, I recommend you attend our GLC class on the Holy Spirit. We have a series of Bible studies just focusing on the Holy Spirit. All right. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 as we discuss the Holy Spirit. Everybody read. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Right here, he now introduces the topic of the Holy Spirit. We have received, notice, referring to believers. What have you received? Not the spirit of the world. Apparently, there's the spirit of the world. Hmm, think about it. And then he talks about, but the spirit who is from God. You need the Holy Spirit to understand the things of God. So, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, first I want you to know something. The Holy Spirit, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, let's read this together. A natural man, meaning once upon a time we were all born in this world and we are called natural. In other words, once you were born up to now, before you come to Christ, you are called what? A natural man, a natural person, a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness. He cannot understand them, even if he has a Ph.D. degree. Without the Holy Spirit, you cannot understand the truth that God wants you to know. And that is why when I look back in my life, every time I try to read the Bible without Christ, I would fall asleep. I was never interested in Bible study. Then something supernatural happened. When I gave my life to Jesus, suddenly I have a great desire to study the Bible. Just like many, many Christians in communist countries, in persecuted countries, even if they go to jail, they will risk their lives memorizing Bible scriptures, studying the Bible. Why? Because the sign of the Holy Spirit in your heart the Bible says, is you have a new desire to study God's Word. So, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, let me share with you, this is so important, all right? Look at this picture. It's a word picture to describe the Holy Spirit. Many people don't understand this. Let me explain to you. I call this the triunity of God, okay? In fact, it should not be trinity. It should be triunity. The word Trinity doesn't appear in the Bible, but it is described in the Bible. I call this tri-unity, meaning you have God, the, the Father is God. Yes? You have the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. However, the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. But the three of them, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. Now, you will not understand this from a physical perspective. Because how can three become one? Is that coffee? Three in one. <laughs> you, you don't try to understand this from a human perspective. God is spirit. I've discovered something. Once you go deeper in the realm of like quantum physics, you go deeper into things that it's like light. How do you describe light? Is it particle? Is it wave? Is it heat? My friend, they are all uniquely different, but they, but they are the same. It's light. Whatever it is now, today, today I'd like you to know the Holy Spirit. I want to focus on the Holy Spirit. All right, now, what can you learn about the Holy Spirit? Example, in John chapter 6, okay, in John chapter 14, let's read this together, okay, quickly. I will ask the Father, this is Jesus speaking, and He, God the Father, will give you another helper, and that He may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Okay, the world cannot receive. I want you to notice the following important words. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper. Two important words I'd like you to understand. 
in the, or in the original language of the Bible, the word for another has two different descriptions for another. In the Greek language, the first another is called alos, another of exactly the same kind. The other one is heteros, different, different kind. So I will show you uh, so that you will understand if you like to copy it down. Simple chart form, right? So another, the word used in, first, in John chapter 14 is alos. The Bible is saying, let's go back to John 14. I will give you another helper. That word another, the Bible is so precise, it uses the word alos. Exactly of the same kind. Not heteros. Heteros is another but different kind. For example, if you want to travel from here, example, to a particular place, you can use a car. That's transportation. If you don't have a car, I can give you a helicopter. Am I correct? That's another mode of transportation. It's another. It's not the same. Car, helicopter are not the same. However, when it comes to the helper in John chapter 14, I will give you another helper. The Bible is using the word alos. Exactly the same kind. Amazing. You will be amazed at the accuracy of the New Testament. So what is the Bible saying? Another helper like me. Jesus is saying, God will give you another helper, exactly like me. Even though it is not me, but it's exactly like me. The word helper is from another Greek word called parakletos. Parakletos comes from two words. One is para, alongside. Kletos is like a lawyer. So parakletos is described as the Holy Spirit's role to be alongside you, not just to give you comfort, but he's your lawyer. He's your advocate. In other words, he's your closest confidant. All right? The spirit of truth. Let me share with you another verse. In John 14, 26. Everybody, let's read. To show you the importance of the Holy Spirit, which many of you neglect. Tonight, I hope you will never neglect the Holy Spirit. You will understand the role of the Holy Spirit. The helper, parakletos, our judge, our advocate, our lawyer, our comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the, world, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So the role of the Holy Spirit is to help us. Understand? To help you understand God's truth. But not only that, example of his help. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. One of the role of the Holy Spirit is to comfort you, to hug you when you are depressed. The Holy Spirit, exactly another like Jesus but not Jesus. The Holy Spirit is not Jesus. The Holy Spirit is not God the Father, but the Holy Spirit is God. So that word, alos, exactly the same nature as God. Are you excited that God did not leave us as orphans? God is saying, today, when Jesus comes into your heart, who comes into your heart? The Holy Spirit. Are we clear? Now, look at another verse. In John 16, Everybody read together. But when he, I want to show you something. The Holy Spirit is not a force. It's a person. Look at the pronoun. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own initiative. Whatever he hears, he will speak. He will disclose to you what is to come. The Holy Spirit is crucial. Now, many of you asked me in the past, can I pray to the Holy Spirit? Of course you can pray to the Holy Spirit. I pray to God the Father, I pray to God the Son, I pray to God the Holy Spirit. That's the only thing you can pray to, but don't pray to people 
Don't pray to other objects. Pray only to whom? God. Now, who is God? God the Father is God. God the Son is God. God the Holy Spirit is God. This is foundational Christianity. Notice something. The evidence of the Holy Spirit. Everybody read. The Holy Spirit, He will glorify me. You know, the Holy Spirit will not glorify Himself. How can you tell if somebody is filled with the Holy Spirit? You look at his life. Does he bring glory to God? The Holy Spirit will never bring glory to himself. He brings glory to whom? To Jesus. Notice. He will glorify me. So my friend, I praise God that the Holy Spirit is so crucial. Now, he talks about three kinds of people. Remember, what did I say? The first one is what? Natural. What is the second one? Spiritual. What's the third one? Carnal. Let me briefly, briefly explain to you. What do you mean by the natural? Okay? Now, one more time. The natural man. A natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. So I, will, I made a picture, a drawing. Okay? Now, this is a picture of a natural man. You see a car. Okay? This guy is you. You are driving. Is this guy smiling? You know, sometimes he can smile, but I made it very obvious. He's not smiling. You know why? He does not have Jesus. Where is Jesus? Outside. So who is the boss of this man's life? Everybody? Himself. So you are running your own life. So, natural man. Without God's Spirit, spiritually blind, spiritually dead. No eternal life. Tonight, there are three types of people in this room. Just look around you. There are three types of you. Three types. One is called a natural man. You can be smart. You can be nice looking on the outside. But the Bible says you are spiritually dead. You don't have the Holy Spirit. Let me give you some example of verses, all right? Let's read together. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If, uh, if, uh, if the Bible, if the gospel is veiled, meaning you, you cannot understand this, it's covered, it is veiled to those who are perishing. So there are people today who are perishing. You are on your way, not to heaven. You're on your way to eternal, I hate to call that place hell, but that's really the story of the Bible. Bad news. In whose case, everybody read, please read together. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they may not see the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, do you understand why some of your friends will laugh at you when you tell them, why don't we go to worship? Why don't we study the Bible? Were you like that once upon a time? When people ask you to attend Bible study, you, you are allergic do you know there are some people allergic to Bible study? Bible, Bible study. Blind. All right? Another verse I, I want to share with you. Acts 26. That's your mission, my mission. Ladies and gentlemen, let's read this together. God is telling Paul to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Notice the Bible assumes once upon a time, people are not saved. They don't have forgiveness. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why you need to understand Bible truth. People, sometimes you want to water down what the Bible is saying. If you think people can really go to heaven without Christ, you will not be excited or take the work of sharing the gospel seriously, and you will not pray for your loved ones. The reason why you need to pray for your loved ones is because they cannot see. Do you understand? You cannot force your loved ones to believe. You cannot force them because they cannot see. They're blind. How many of, how many of you have encountered people who are blind? Raise your hand. You know these blind people, they can bump to you. They, 
when they bump you, do you get angry at them? Do you get mad at them? No. When, when blind people bump into you, my friend, they're blind. They cannot see. Do you see? Do you understand the Bible? No, don't pretend. If you cannot understand, that's why I'm giving you this message. Because you need the Holy Spirit to open your eyes. Let's read the next verse that I think you, you, you will be surprised. It's found in Ephesians chapter 2. Let's read this together. Once upon a time, let's read this together. Once upon a time, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Spiritually, spiritually dead. Among them, we. Notice the pronoun. Once upon a time, you. This is pronoun. In the Greek language, it's pronoun. All of you. Among them, we. So Paul is, Paul is saying, once upon a time, including myself. Paul is saying, including myself. We too, all, notice all, formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh, of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. The Bible is saying, once upon a time, all of us were indulging the desires of the flesh, and we were by nature, everybody read, by nature what? Children of? In Tagalog, sabi tayo lahat. A natural person, no matter how good he is, the Bible says we are all sinners. That's our problem. What is our greatest need? Forgiveness. And where is that found? In Jesus. Okay. Second type of person, okay, which I hope uh, you will appreciate, is called the Spirit-filled Christian. The Spirit-filled Christian, let's look at that chart, okay? Spirit-filled Christian. The Bible describes him as such. The Holy Spirit is in control of his life, understands spiritual truth, empowered by God's Spirit. Now, look at this chart. Who is the driver? Jesus. Who is the passenger? You are the passenger. If your life is controlled by Jesus, what will happen to you? Will you be smiling? Everybody? But if you try to take over your life and drive your life, what will happen to your face? No longer happy face. In fact, you will have problems, all right? So the spirit-filled life. Now, where do you find that in the Bible? That a Christian is somebody that has the Holy Spirit. A Christian is not somebody who comes to CCF, okay? No, no, no. A Christian is somebody, not because he attends Bible study. A Christian, everybody, give me a definition. Who is a Christian? How can you tell who is a Christian? Can you whisper to your neighbor? Come on, tell your neighbor. Who is a Christian? Oh, I'll give you a hint. Look at this picture. All right, Romans chapter 8. Everybody, Romans chapter 8. Let's read together. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Everybody read. If the Spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. My question to you. Do you have the Spirit of God in your heart? If your answer is yes. My next question, how do you know? If your answer is no, I have good news for you. I will teach you how. If your answer is, I don't know, no problem. I want you to know. So what is your answer? Don't raise your hand now. Are you sure the Holy Spirit is in your life? There has to be evidence. The Bible says, by their fruit, you shall know them. The problem with Christianity today is many people think, I raised my hands years ago. I invited Jesus. I got baptized. Ergo, I'm a Christian. Nothing is farther from the truth. Salvation is by faith. It's by grace, not good works. However, real faith, real grace will produce evidence, change lives. If there's no change in your life, stop deceiving yourself. Be humble. You tell Jesus today, Lord, I'm not sure whether you're in my heart or not. I don't have a desire to worship you. I don't have a desire to study the Bible. I don't even have a desire to share the gospel. Lord, what's wrong with me? That's an honest prayer. So, 
Let's go to, are you ready for the next uh, slide? All right. What's the next slide? Let's see. Ah, my proof. When will the Holy Spirit enter your heart? This is the evidence. Huh? This is how he will enter your heart. In him, after listening to the message of truth, you heard the gospel, the gospel of your salvation. Gospel means good news. Having believed, you were sealed in him. You were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Therefore, the Holy Spirit enters your heart the day you really trust him as your Lord and Savior. Are we clear? The day you humble yourself and you trust Jesus, that he died on the cross for your sins, the Holy Spirit enters your heart. Some people may have a feeling. Some people may have no feeling. In my case, years ago, when I gave my life to Jesus, something dramatic changed. I was like walking in the air. I knew I was never the same. For some people, they don't exactly have that feeling, but slowly their lives are changed. It is not feeling or no feeling. Just the fact that you and the Lord know that you have really trusted Him as your Lord and Savior, and you be humble to admit that you're a sinner. All right? So, what does it mean to be controlled by the Holy Spirit? I'm going to explain this tonight now. This is something new for many of you. What does it mean to be controlled? The Holy Spirit may be inside you, but is He in control? So, I made a simple um, chart. To be controlled by the Holy Spirit simply means the following. Number one, the Spirit is called Spirit-controlled thinking. You allow your thought life to be controlled by the Spirit of God. You surrender your thought life to Him. When you surrender your thought life to Him, the next thing is you surrender your emotion to the Lord. And number three, you surrender your action. Do you remember our T principle? T-E-A? Your thoughts, your thinking is so powerful. Your thinking will eventually dictate your emotion. And your emotions will eventually dictate your action. Let me give you an example. Recently, my wife and I, we were in a resort. And she couldn't find her cell phone, okay? So she said, Peter, can you call my cell phone? So I called her cell phone. I couldn't hear any answer. I said, honey, I'm very sure you left it in the room. I saw it. And my wife said, yes, I'm sure I left it in the room. But where is the cell phone? We returned to the room. There's no cell phone. Now, can I tell you something? How my mind can begin to have vain imagination. I began to imagine, yes, I remember asking this guy to clean the room and the girl. I asked them to come and clean our bedroom. So in my mind, because the cell phone is gone, somebody stole it. You see the power of thinking. So I began not to like these two people. And then I began to crucify them in my mind. I would report them to the management, and I began to practice a speech in a very nice way. You see, I'm a pastor, right? I need to say nicely. <laughs> I was about to say, you know, can you check your CCTV camera? What happened to our cell phone? Blah, blah. In my mind, I lost the joy but of these two people, okay? When I see them, I don't think I'm going to smile because I'm not so happy. You know, my wife's amazing. I said, honey, let's use your prayer. Because my wife always, I don't want to say always, but occasionally, madam, when you lose things, what do you do, madam? She prays. So I said, it's time you pray. So I prayed. And then the Lord told her, all right, call my daughter. So we called her daughter. And my daughter answered, yes. And then Diana said, did you see a cell phone? My daughter said, is it color pink? Yes. And what is the face? Oh, can you give me the password? Oh, mommy, this is your cell phone. Here I am, ready to crucify. You see the power of wrong thinking? My friend, many times, you think about it. You think of people, it's your vain imagination. And then suddenly, you don't like them anymore. Because wrong thinking will produce wrong emotion, and wrong emotion will produce wrong action. Now, I praise God. I ask permission. You know, 
My daughter flew back from, my daughter came to visit us okay, this month. She came, she flew. She was telling us on her way, as she boarded the airplane, I don't want, I don't want you to know what airline that is, okay? But uh, it's a very famous airline. It's called Plane Always Late. Remember that airline? <laughs> All right. Her row. There are many rows in the airplane, but her particular row. All the TV monitor is not working. Now, probability. How can all the airplane's TV monitor working except one row? So the daughter began to cry. Her youngest daughter began to cry. And when she was crying, you know, I praise God for my daughter. I call that right thinking. You know what she said? Perhaps God does not want us to spend too much time, screen time, okay? You remember she attended parenting, counterflow, be careful of this uh, computer gadgets. It can uh, make your children addict. So her attitude was perfect. Wow, maybe God wants to protect us. So let's use our time wisely. Do you think a little girl can understand that? <laughs> but you know, God is so good. After the plane took off, the stewardess said, Mom, there, there are chairs at the back. Uh, I can ask the people if they can allow you to move around. You know, that girl was so nice. I think that girl at the maybe a few seats back row was very wise. She does not want to sit with young kids. She said, you know what? I'll just give up my seat. We will just change. So they got the whole row. Am I, am I getting the story right? They got the whole row. Imagine. And the TV monitor is working. What is my point? Look at me. Right thinking. Perhaps God is allowing this to happen. Will produce right emotion. And right emotion will produce right action. How many of you have had the experience of being stranded in NLEX and this, this, this amazing highway of our country? How many of you got stranded? You got stranded? Welcome to the club. I sympathize with you. Because our family, we got stranded on the way and on the way back. On the way, took us around seven, eight hours, okay? It's a two and a half hour trip, took us seven, eight hours. Now, you have to understand, senior citizens, right? What do we do with the toilet, right? But, you know, I praise God for my wife. Because her attitude, her, her thinking is correct. Right thinking, or just what? You know, my grandkids did not complain. Because grandma and granddaddy was not complaining. We were counting our blessing. Many people have no cars. We have a car. Sure, it's, it's a bit long. Would you rather walk or ride in the car? Everybody, point to your head. Right thinking produce what? Right emotion. And right emotion will produce? Right behavior, right action. Therefore, to be controlled by the Holy Spirit begins with the head. You have to saturate your mind with the Word of God and surrender that to the Holy Spirit. No exception. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 tells us, Do not be conformed to this world. Do not copy this world. Be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Notice, this is a command. Do not be conformed. Don't copy the thinking of this world. Don't copy. Be transformed. So, by the way, do you know the title for today's message? Are you surprised there's no title yet? All right. I was waiting for you to tell me what's the title. Can you guess what's the title? <laughs> no, what's wrong with us is a series. But the title for this particular message, boom. You want to see? Here it is. That's the title. Holy Spirit, the power to transform us. Okay? The Holy Spirit, the power to change us. Notice that verse. In Romans chapter 12, the Holy Spirit will now use what is in your mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? The only way you can renew your mind is to read the Bible. So everybody, God's Word 
plus God's Spirit is equal to what? Transformation. If you allow God's Spirit to work in your heart plus God's Word over time, you will, you will change. God's Word without God's Spirit will not do you any good. God's Spirit without God's Word can lead you into all kinds of rabbit holes, all kinds of problems. You need objective truth. So you need two things. To allow the Holy Spirit to change your life, okay? To be changed. What do we need? Number one, everybody, God's Word. You, it says here, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? Study God's Word. For what purpose? So that you may prove what the will of God is, which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So that's the idea. You will know God's will as you study God's Word. Ladies and gentlemen, how many of you have read the entire Bible? Raise your hands. Higher, higher, higher. Raise your hands. Higher. I'm, the video camera is going to focus on you. All right. Some of you have not read the entire Bible. Can I encourage you? Read the entire Bible. I read the entire Bible at least once every year. Every year. That is on top of my study, okay? I read the entire Bible every year. You know why? I want my mind to be saturated with the truth about God. When I read the Bible, I want to learn about God. I want to learn about what's right, what's wrong, okay? What God wants me to learn. So I hope you will take it to heart to study the Word of God plus the Holy Spirit. Now, question. Why is this message so important? Look at this picture of a carnal Christian. What's the problem? Look, carnal Christian. Who is in control? Self. Where is the Holy Spirit? Inside. Think about it. The Holy Spirit crashes in your heart, except He's not in control. Who is in control? You are in control. Therefore, Christ is in that person, but self is in control. There's no power. There's no joy. This man is miserable. To show you how miserable he is, I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. Let's read this together. 1 Corinthians. Together, everybody. And I, brethren. Notice, speaking to believers. These people are believers. And Paul is saying, and I, brethren, referring to the Corinthians, could not speak to you as to a spiritual man, as to men of flesh. But you are men of flesh. You are babies in Christ. Huh. These are believers, but they are like babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Even now, you are not able. Here's a description of a baby Christian. You are, everybody read, you are still fleshly. There is jealousy and strife among you. Are you not fleshly? Are you not walking like mere men? When one says, I am of Paul, another of Apollos, are you not like mere men? In other words, they are believers. Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes. But how is their behavior? Like mere men. Friends, that's why it is important that you understand the Christian life is a process of growing. After coming to Christ, you cannot stop reading the Bible. You cannot stop learning. You cannot pretend as if you have no more part. Salvation is free, but sanctification is the work of God's Spirit and your cooperation. Are we clear? Therefore, this is so crucial. The Bible says you need to understand. So I have a simple chart so that you will know the difference, right? The difference. Indwelt by the Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. They are different. Indwelt upon salvation, the day you trust in Jesus. However, to be filled with the Spirit is when you surrender everything. See the difference? Indwelt by the Spirit. It's permanent. Once you come to Jesus, you surrender your life. He promised not to leave you nor forsake you. However, the Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You know why you can grieve the Holy Spirit when you don't obey Him, 
moment by moment. Empowerment, character, transformation. The Bible says you have to obey the Holy Spirit moment by moment. You see the difference? This is once he comes in. You don't ask him to come again, but you ask him to control again. Are we clear? Indwelt is a gift of God by grace. You don't beg for the Holy Spirit to come. By faith, when you surrender your life, he comes. However, this is a command. To be filled with the Holy Spirit, you, it's a command. For example, what is the command? Let me give you Galatians chapter 5. Everybody please read. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. These are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that, that, that you... Okay? So that you may not do the things that you please. So, grammatically, again, this is in the present tense. It's, the, it's in a command imperative form, okay? Command. I command you. Walk day by day, moment by moment, by the Holy Spirit. And then what's going to happen? If you walk by the Holy Spirit, you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Therefore, I've learned something. Temptation is not a sin. Can you turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, temptation is not a sin. In fact, temptation to me is the proof that you are a child of God. You are fighting it. That's good. You fight it. How do you fight it? With the Holy Spirit. When Satan comes knocking, you say, Spirit of the living God, take over. I call it the three-minute pause. When you are tempted to open the computer, when you are tempted to do something that's not right, pornography or whatever you want to do, or call somebody, when you are tempted to do that, you stop everything. Get on your knees. Three minutes. You pray. Lord, save me from this temptation. And I guarantee you, after three minutes, temptation is gone. Now, if you are in Divisoria, you are walking, maybe you cannot um, kneel down. So you can just pray like this, okay? Lord, I just saw a beautiful girl, okay? So please help me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what that girl is doing, okay? Maybe she's asking you, come, come, come. I, I, I don't know what it is, but I'm learning something. When you walk with the Holy Spirit, God will guide you. Amen? And He will empower you. All right. So, as we finish, I want you to see example of Paul. What did he do to show that he was controlled by the Holy Spirit? Example. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 5 to 9. Paul is saying, if you are controlled by the Holy Spirit, you have divine perspective. You will think differently. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believe. Even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one, I planted Apollos water. God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. Each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. What Paul is saying is, why are you fighting among yourselves? Why are you idolizing Apollos? Why are you idolizing Paul? Why are you dividing among yourselves? You are a follower of Paul. Chapter 1, I'm a follower of Peter. I'm a follower of uh, Cephas. Paul is saying, why, why are you doing that? For Paul, look at his perspective. This is so important. So that you stop idolizing people and stop fighting among yourselves. Paul is simply saying this. Who is Apollos? What is Paul? Somebody watered. He's now giving a picture of agriculture. Servants through whom you believe. God used each one of us as the Lord gave opportunity. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So in your salvation, many people are involved. And Paul is saying they are all important. But the most important is who? God. Say it with me. God is the most important. And who is causing the growth? God. So many of you have different roles. Don't be jealous. Don't compare. Don't be envious. Have a divine perspective. Let's love each other. Don't, don't, 
try to break up into, I belong to this D group, I, I, I belong to this uh, group. No, no. God. Comprende? Si. All right. And then look at the way Paul would invest his life. You know, for the Apostle Paul, let's continue. Look at verse 10. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, notice his perspective to serve God is an act of grace. Like a wise master builder. Now he compares himself to a builder. A while ago, a farmer. Now, construction. Paul is saying, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation. Another is building on it. Each man must be careful how he builds on it. No man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, Jesus Christ. He's now saying, I want you to consider what you will do when it comes to the church. He's now comparing the church just like a temple, the temple of God. The church has only one foundation, Jesus. Paul is saying, Jesus is the foundation. But be careful how you build upon the work of God, upon the church. You see, a church is basically composed of what? People. So he's saying, be careful. What do I mean? Let's read the next verse. Paul is saying, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, haste, straw, he now compares two kinds of materials in building God's temple, the church. Understand? The church is people. Two kinds of materials. One is what? Gold, silver, precious stones. Now, when you see the word precious stones, do not think of it like diamonds or pearls. No, no. Precious stones has the idea of granite, marble, just like the New Testament temple. Okay, Paul is thinking of the Old Testament temple. Understand? Massive rocks. But he's saying other people uses what? Wood, hay, straw. Be careful. Everybody read. Each man's work will become evident for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of its man's work. This one is very sobering. God is telling me how I build on the lives of people. While this is referring to the church, it's also referring to individual Christians. How do you invest your life in God's work? God is saying someday all of us will be examined. The idea is this. As followers of Jesus, you have to think rightly. Right thinking will produce what? Right emotion and right action. What are you doing with your life today? Are you investing your life in something that will stand the test? Do you have the right motives? What do I mean? All of us are busy investing in something. Think about it. Paul is saying, I want you to be careful how you build your life on others. Everybody read this. It's, together, each man's work will become evident. That day, the judgment day, will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. The fire will test the quality of your work will test the quality of each man's work. It is not about this idea of your soul is being purified. No, no, no. It has to do with your work. Look at the next verse. If any man's work which just built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved as though through fire. This to me is very sobering. Because one day, as I stand before God, God is going to examine my life and my work. And God says, speaking to you, speaking to me, if you are spirit-led, if the Holy Spirit is controlling your life, you will invest your life in something that will last for eternity. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will what? Receive a reward. Can I ask you a question? Why is God motivating us with the word? Have you thought about it? Do you know the last 
statement in the Bible, in the book of Revelation. Can you guess what it is? Look at Revelation. Let's read this together. <coughs> together. Behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me. To render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha, the Omega. Beginning and the end. Ladies and gentlemen, what is the difference between reward and salvation? Can I tell you the difference? Salvation is free. It's work of Christ. Reward is different. Reward is what you do for Jesus after salvation. Are we clear? Salvation is now and forever. Reward is oftentimes future. <coughs> what do I mean? You know, you may not realize this, but my wife and I celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary. <coughs> and we, we did this yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. All right? Now, look at this wonderful picture of me and my wife. This is all done by our kids. They, they, they surprise us. You know, I have a beautiful picture of my lovely wife. Okay? But one thing that hit me, because yesterday they replayed old videos of my kids. They replayed what they were doing, our different trips. I look at them when they were young, when they were celebrating their birthdays, and it brought tears. You know why? Because 50 years is an amazing work of God. But more than that, my wife said, Honey, I realize if we did not spend time with our children, you won't have opportunity to do it again. In short, in life, opportunities are God-given. And I thought of Judgment Day. On Judgment Day, when you see God giving rewards to His faithful servants, and you yourself don't have rewards, I wonder what you and I will be thinking. Because certain things in life, you cannot take to. You cannot repeat. I look at my children. There's no way I can go back and spend time with them. But my wife and I have no regrets. Because we spent a lot of time with my children when they were growing up. We invested. What about you? On Judgment Day, we have regrets. All that God has done for you, you'll be thinking, if only I serve him. If only I listen to that message. If only. My friend, in life, you cannot always have if only. Certain things in life, you cannot take two. One of them is, what do you do with your life right now? Will you serve him? The Bible says on that day, God is so excited to give you his reward. But some of us will be regretting. You know why you will regret? Because you never bothered to give your all to Jesus. May I suggest, live a life of no regret. Make your life count. And how do you do it? Surrender your life to the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, control me, fill me. Let me do what you want me to do. Don't let me do what I want to do. Let me do what you want me to do, moment by moment, day by day. Let's bow our heads and pray. If God has spoken to you, and some of you have never really surrendered your life to the Holy Spirit, I'd like you to pray this prayer with me. You have never surrendered your life to Jesus. You are not even sure you have the Holy Spirit. Would you like to receive the Holy Spirit today? I want you to pray with me. Raise your hands if you want to receive the Holy Spirit today. Higher. 
Praise God. Anybody else? Raise them higher. You know, God is looking down and God is saying, I'm ready to come into your heart. But are you ready to surrender your all to Jesus? If you are, those of you who are raising your hands, you pray this prayer with me. Pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I need you. I surrender my all to you. I dedicate my thought life. I dedicate my emotion. I dedicate my action to you. Will you come into my heart? Control me as I surrender my all to you. Spirit of the living God, thank you for coming to my heart. To those of you who prayed that prayer just now, you're asking the Holy Spirit to come into your heart. I want you to stand up. Praise God. Stand up. I want to pray for you. Don't be ashamed of God. You just pray that prayer right now. Stand up wherever you are. As you stand up, I'd like you to know what you're doing. You are making a public confession that you're inviting Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. You're asking the Holy Spirit to really change your heart from the inside out. So pray this prayer silently as I pray for you now. Lord Jesus, I just pray for this group of men and women who stood up, who just prayed to invite you as their Lord and Savior. Will you seal them with your Holy Spirit? Will you let them know, Lord Jesus, that you love them, accept them as is where is? And Lord, give them the reality, the comfort to know that you are on their side and that you love them and that you will be, you, that you more, you'll be more than happy to transform their lives as they surrender everything to you. In Jesus' name, I pray for all of these men and women. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Okay? Thanks for listening. We'd love to stay connected with you, so make sure to subscribe to our podcast or join an Elevate group through chatting with us. See you at our next podcast.